0: Grace and peace to you and welcome in the name of the Lord. You are welcome here if you are with us every week or if you are new to joining our services. You are welcome here no matter who you love, what you look like, or where you live. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here at the United Congregational Church of Little Compton. We're so glad you're here. I have a few announcements for our life together. First. Please join us this Friday, October 30th, for a service for the Remembrance of the Dead. We'll be gathering at Pike's Peak at the tip of the Little Compton Town Commons to light a candle in honor of a loved one who has died. We will read the names of those in our community who have died this year, and display a memorial for all who have passed away due to COVID-19 in our nation in 2020. Following the service, we will have ribbons available for you to write prayers on and tie to the fence around our church. Prayers will be for peace, for healing, for unity, any prayer that you would like to lift to God. All are welcome. Masks and social distancing will be observed, and the service will be recorded and rebroadcast on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And now, let us worship God. As we enter a time of prayer, I invite you to get comfortable in your seat and ground yourself, feeling the seat beneath you, feeling the earth beneath you, holding you, being present here, knowing that you are bound together with the community of faith by the Holy Spirit. Now let us pray. O God of all creation, who has come to us in Jesus, lead us in your way of love and fill us with your Spirit. Choose us to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to bring sight to the blind and freedom to the oppressed. So shall your new creation come and your will be done. We pray this in Jesus' name, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
1: 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy my beloved child grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us.
2: chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 and 12 through 14. So when the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time that you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The disciples returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All of them were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with a number of women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as Jesus' brothers.
0: In the summer of 2013, I had the privilege of working with an intern from Duke Divinity School. She was fantastic. She was bright and energetic, faithful, theologically astute, and naturally pastoral. She not only talked the talk, but she walked the walk. It was so wonderful to have her on staff during those months. About halfway through her internship, I checked in with her. I asked her, how's it going? What were her learnings? Could I help support her in any way? Were there any challenges that she was struggling with? She paused for a minute before she said very carefully, it's hard for me that people here don't really talk about their faith, especially Jesus. Even church people seem to sort of avoid talking about Jesus. I was caught off guard and I wasn't sure exactly how to defend us. I wanted to explain that it wasn't that we didn't love God, it was just that we white northerners had been socialized not to talk about personal things and to be really sensitive to the multiculturalism of our context. I explained about the culture of Yankee reticence, even Stoicism, and how that made it difficult for us to articulate our faith out loud. She listened really respectfully, and then she said, yeah, I guess I've just gotten used to people discussing their faith faith experiences so much more openly. And that faith sharing, it feeds me spiritually. Their experience of God in their lives, their relationship with Jesus, it feeds me. And when I try to find my own words for my faith experience, that helps me connect more deeply with God, too. Doesn't it make it hard when everyone seems to keep it a secret? She asked. I do not remember what I said to her. I don't remember if it was profound or what, but I do remember that that question haunted me and that that summer I watched as her willingness to share her faith story touched the lives of my youth in that church. And I realized that along with the Yankee reluctance to talk about faith, I had also absorbed this assumption that keeping faith private was somehow better, more dignified, more respectful, but it simply wasn't true. I saw in her and in countless Christians after that that authentically owning the faith, naming it, daring to be vulnerable enough to voice it could be both respectful to others and also vitally important in deepening faith and helping faith communities to thrive. This week, as I was reading our scripture, her question came back to me, isn't it hard that everyone seems to keep their faith a secret? And I think the answer was, And is yes. I think it is hard for all of us who live in a culture where talking about faith is difficult. I think it is hard to grow in faith if we never talk about it. I think it's hard to deepen faith if we never tell the story of how God's spirit is moving in our lives. How can we grow closer to God? How can we follow Jesus if we keep our experiences of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection a secret? So what do we do? We practice one of the earliest practices of the Jesus followers was the practice of testimony. Simply put, testimony is telling the truth. It's taken from the language of the courtroom, but it's simply to speak the truth for the benefit of the community. Testimony's any time that we tell the truth, but in our context, the faith context, it's when we tell the truth about our experience of our faith, of our God. This could be as simple as what I call a God moment, the small moments that happen throughout our day, like telling a friend about a time when you were sitting in the garden and suddenly you were struck that God was there with you in creation, seemed to be giving you hope and gratitude. These little quotidian experiences of God, of thanks, of gratitude and and hope as we go about our normal day, those are opportunities. They're an inbreaking of the truth, how precious and fleeting life is. What a gift. And testimony can also be telling the truth about God's movement in our lives in the past, like a time of transformation when maybe at the time you didn't realize that God was moving you, calling you, transforming you. But in retrospect, you realize it was God. A friend once shared with me that he was on a path of total self-destruction, struggling with addiction, and he got down on his knees and prayed to Jesus for strength, for healing, to be able to begin again, and that he felt God's movement in his life. Whether the story that we tell is about God's movement in our personal lives, or the story of God's presence in our community, or the story of God's presence in our ancestors' lives, and community, like in the stories of our scripture, this is testimony. And the one who offers testimony is called the witness. We see how vital, how important witness is throughout our scriptures. And in fact, it was the followers of Jesus' willingness to be witnesses, to offer testimony that helped the faith grow and be shared with people till the ends of the earth. When God said, go and tell the people, be my witnesses, they took it seriously. They told their personal stories of Jesus, what it was like to be with him, all that they had seen and heard. His death, the empty tomb, him standing with them on the beach and speaking to them alive again. Jesus' promise that he would be present to them through the Holy Spirit. The disciples told the truth about what they had experienced that Jesus sought out all who were lost and invited them to come to the table and that they were going to do the same, that they would host broadly, offering radical hospitality to anyone who needed a place to stay. These apostles, they witnessed to the truth of what Jesus had done in them and through them. They witnessed to the fact that Jesus was more powerful even than death. Even than the Roman empire, the love of Christ surpassed the hate of the Roman empire and the violence of his death. And this was a challenge to the empire. And many of those early Christians lost their lives for speaking the truth about who they believed God to be. They became known as martyrs, but martyr in Greek simply means witness. I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be a witness in our times and about how hard it is for us, white Northeasterners, to embrace this role, to boldly proclaim to one another our experience of God in our lives. And I realized yes, it is countercultural. It's hard for us. But every time I've seen us try, every time I've seen you try, the impact on our community has been incredible whether it is in our young confermen standing up in the pulpit and sharing their God projects with us, or when congregants have bravely stepped forward to talk about how their spiritual lives have been impacted by the loved ones in their lives who are struggling with addiction, or when volunteers stood up to talk about how they prayed in their own personal lives, or like today's testimony from Carol and Tara, when we hear about people's experience of faith that moves them to give, Every single time I have heard your testimony, you have spoken a truth that our community was longing to hear, and you've done it with grace and courage and good humor. In fact, these have been some of the most powerful moments of worship that I've witnessed. Finding words for our faith is hard for all of us, but the truth is we are longing to hear each other's stories. And I believe that we are also longing to tell our stories but we've grown so accustomed to keeping it a secret, we don't always know how or where to begin. But like anything else, we begin by doing it. Start noticing those God moments, and instead of just savoring them, share them. Start listening for God's Spirit prompting you, and when you hear it, give it voice. And as you practice bearing witness to the movement of God in your life and the world, I think you will find that your ability to recognize it deepens. And your practice of sharing it draws you closer to the community and to our God. Amen.
3: Tara Bradley. Hi, I'm Carol Beach. Our journey is a special journey. Uh, We've been in Little Compton for 15 years. Mm -hmm. Around the time we purchased our house, we were also, um, we had just gotten married and we were looking for a church. We had both been raised Catholic and um, that relationship with the church became I want to say strained in the early 2000s and we felt like we were kind of disappearing (laughs) Um, within the church within the local parish we were attending at the time and so that really we didn't want to disappear we wanted to be a vibrant vibrant uh, members of a, of a faith community. So we attended a, a service at the UCC. Our takeaway was it was almost like a divine intervention. That wow. that sermon met us exactly where we were on that day,
1: and
3: wow. uh, so that was number one yeah. about it. Feeling wow, yep. This um, this is a this is an altogether different experience. We felt very. Uh, welcome, the coffee hour. We knew nothing of coffee hours, having <laughs> gone so many masses. Um, and for the building itself was God. amazing and historic and right in the center of town and very close to where we live. That's how we came to the church. Carol's dad's illness went on for a number of years, and it was a challenging time. And we found that the church and the sermons were wonderful and revitalizing. We also began to develop relationships in uh, in the church, and before long, those things get you get traction with those things, and it starts to feel like a community, which is what we were really looking for. Uh, So. we have done a, a, number, a lot of volunteering for the church. You know, before long, yes. you are asked. And, yes, you have. Thank uh, you. You know, uh, and we actually really have enjoyed our different volunteer roles and it's given us a way to give back. You know, as Catholics, nothing much was expected of us in terms of how the church ran. Be in a church, a faith community where the congregation Really is responsible for the church It mm-hmm. uh, was a new idea, and it was an idea that really resonated with us. The one thing I would
4: underscore is the people of this you know of this church. We were at parishes in in Boston where we knew few people, and I think on the first day, we were so warmly welcomed in the u c c and we remember what a difference that made. And it's like, what are these deacons? You know, these, they're all nice people and they were introducing themselves and welcoming and what an impact that makes. What a difference
0: and, that makes. And you didn't even know that you would be a deacon, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure, Soon
5: enough. Sure, I it. <laughs> I think
4: it's a good segue. In just talking about what the church means to us to talk yeah. about, you know, why we support the church and each and every year when we talk about giving, Um, we talk about the church first because it's the one that we share. And so I think when we talk about giving to the church, we also think about it in a handful of ways. One is that we know how important giving annually and unrestricted support. We know how important that is because if you believe in a place, you trust its leadership and you want to have those funds be able to be used whatever way the, the organization seems um, the most important. So we try to give in that way, very importantly. When there are special projects that come up, um, we certainly give top consideration to the church. So for instance, Project Welcome, yeah, we're so proud. <laughs> we're so excited. <laughs> we're so, we love how the church has also gone about the fundraising effort for that, that it's been all-inclusive and allowed people to give in ways that um, was meaningful to them. And it's heartwarming every day to walk by and see the progress and to uh, envision all of us back in there together, which is really, truly exciting. And I think the third way that we think about the church in our giving is um, when we recently... Uh, undertook the effort of um, including the church in our estate plans. If you really believe in a place, these three different ways of giving are so powerful. Um, And um, so I would encourage everybody when they're thinking about support for their church, I know this is the time of year we're talking about annual support, but I think all these different, these three avenues of giving are really, really important to the vibrancy of the church. And the other thing I would say about why we give is that, you know, giving to a place that is so strong, um, a beacon of hope in the middle of the commons, um, and we're demonstrating our strength with Project Welcome, it doesn't mean, and 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 we get strength because everybody's stepping forward and doing what they can. That's where our strength comes from. And so we're just excited to be part of it.
3: Yeah, and the shared values piece too, you know, that intersection of values, our values as a family, our values as people, and the values of this particular church, this little church
4: in this town, uh, it's, um, that's very important too. That's the, that's the other thing. We learn so much um, from, from the other folks. Um, in the church, whether it's your sermons, Rebecca, or whether it's other people standing up and speaking or on a committee. So there, there are so many, we get so much out of this church. We're growing with the
5: church.
3: Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. exactly.
0: Let us pray. You are above us. O God, you are beneath. You are in the air that surrounds us and fills us. The earth that holds us and steadies us. You are beside us and within us. Give us eyes to see and lips to tell. We give you thanks for all that you give us, O God, this day to enjoy, this life to cherish, these people to love, this world to embrace, and your peace, which passes all understanding. Loving God, we hold in your healing presence all who suffer, in mind, in body, or in spirit, and all who are caring for them. May they know the deep peace of Christ. Christ, the great Comforter, we hold in your healing presence all who are grieving. Even in their sorrow, may they know your deep peace. Gracious God, we pray for all who are in crisis, who are beset by fear, disaster, or tragedy. We ask that you bring peace to our world, peace to our neighbors, peace to all people in all places, black, brown, and white. God, lead us from fear to faith, from death to life, from falsehood to truth. Lead us from despair to hope, from division to unity, and let your peace and love fill our hearts and our world. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about our church, we invite you to connect with us on our website, www.ucclittlecompton.org. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find a link to our online donation page in the show notes for this episode. We also invite you to share this podcast and leave us a rating or a review to help others find us. Our piano music is performed by Michael Bauman, and the horn and string music is performed by the Thomas family. In our church, it is our tradition to end every service with this simple blessing. God be with you till we meet again. By God's counsel's guide, uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you, God be with you till we meet again. Go in peace.